Hello and welcome back to The Killer Kind. Thank you to those of you who reached out after listening to last week's episode. If you haven't listened to that one yet, you definitely should check it out. That said, I hope you all had a great Labor Day weekend. Since it rained all weekend over here where I am, I was able to get a lot of work done on today's episode, so that was super nice. Today's case was not originally my on my list of cases to cover, but I saw a TikTok, of course, that briefly mentioned it, and I was hooked. I immediately went down a rabbit hole in this one, and I knew you guys would want to hear it as well. So let's just go ahead and dive in to today's episode. We are going to be covering the shocking murder of Sarah Stern. Sarah Stern was born in 1997 and grew up in Neptune City, New Jersey. This was a tight-knit community. Everyone seemed to know everyone. You know that sort of town. She graduated from Neptune High School where she played softball and was on the swim team. She had two close guy friends, Liam McAtasney and Preston Taylor. They had become friends when they were just six years old and they stayed super close all throughout high school. They even called themselves the squad. Sarah was a hard worker herself. She had a job at the local pizzeria as well at a job at one point at the ice cream shop. But her real passion was art. In 2016, she was just 19 years old. She had graduated from high school and had started college. She went to the local community college to study art and television production. She loved YouTube as well, and she always wanted to travel. Plus, she could talk to just about anyone. She would often attend VidCon and Comic-Con, and on Twitter, she would post her pictures with different social media stars that she loved, like YouTube stars Jenna Marbles and Julian, both of who she had an online friendship with. She was just outgoing and super sweet and just had a beautiful soul. She was beautiful inside and out. She had hope. She had dreams and her whole life ahead of her. However, her life would be tragically cut short. At 2.46 a.m. on Saturday, December 3rd, 2016, an Uber driver is driving down the Route 35 bridge in Belmar, New Jersey. He ends up calling 911 to report an abandoned car parked on the shoulder. Police officer Shane Leeming and a few other officers of the Neptune Police Department arrive at the scene and see what appears to be an abandoned 1994 silver Oldsmobile. There's no one inside the car, but the doors are unlocked, the keys are still in the ignition, and it appears to be operable. The officer ends up running the plates on the car, and he is able to determine that the vehicle belongs to a 96-year-old woman named Lillian Stern. And at this point, the officer starts to suspect the worst, honestly, because the car is stopped at the highest point of this bridge with nothing but water below. So they need to see if they can track this woman down, hoping they can find her alive and well. And they were quickly able to find out where she lived, which was, again, in Neptune City. However, at some point, the officer learns that Lillian Stern is somewhere else. She's alive and well. But 
it was actually her granddaughter, Sarah Stern, that had been using the car. So at around 3 a.m., Neptune police decide to contact Sarah's dad, Michael, who just so happened to be 1,100 miles away in Florida on vacation. They let him know that they found this abandoned car and don't know where his daughter is. Michael said it took 10 minutes for him to get out the door and he was headed back to New Jersey. In the meantime, Officer Leeming and a few other officers go to conduct a welfare check at the Stern home. And they quickly realized nobody was there, except for Sarah's beloved dog, Buddy, who was secure in his crate. Body cam footage has been released showing officers inside the home that night. And you can hear the officer explaining that nobody's inside the residence and he's unsure if they have a jumper situation, meaning had this girl committed suicide by jumping off this bridge down into freezing cold water. So where is Sarah? Well, her dad mentions that she could be with one of her close friends, Liam, who grew up across the street from the Stearns house. And, of course, police head over there first, and the mom answers the door. And his mom is obviously concerned that Sarah might be missing or worse. But she lets them know that Liam doesn't live there, that he lives somewhere else. I couldn't ever find exactly where he lived. So they make their way over to Liam's house. And they knock on his door at around 4 a.m. He explained to the officers that she was not there, but that he was with her earlier before he left for work at around 4.30 p.m. that afternoon. He said they ran some errands, and she seemed okay, a little down and depressed, which we'll get into why shortly, but nothing that indicated to him that she was going to be committing suicide that night. So officers move on from Liam and start talking to more neighbors to see if they noticed anything out of the ordinary or maybe had seen her um, later than 4.30 when Liam last saw her. And they spoke to a neighbor who lived across the street. She tells them that the day she went missing, Sarah had come by with her friend Liam asking if she could leave some of her mother's things at her house. Because sadly, Sarah's mom had passed away from cancer in 2013. She was still living with her dad, and the two had recently sort of had a rocky relationship. According to her friend Liam, the two had issues with money, money that Sarah had gotten from her mom's passing. I've only heard that from Liam, but I do know that the two didn't have the best relationship either way. But anyways, back to the neighbor's story. So she told investigators that she noticed Sarah seemed a little down, possibly depressed. But once again, kind of like Liam, she wouldn't say that she seemed suicidal necessarily, but that she did seem off. So with that said, investigators knew they wanted to talk to Liam once again, kind of get more of a timeline, kind of fill her out a little bit more, something a little more concrete from him. And this ended up being another informal interview. They kind of just went back to his house and started talking to him a little bit more. So, and at this point, they're trying to decide if this could be suicide. Is it foul play? 
Or is it like a runaway situation? They weren't sure. And so they were just trying to narrow it down a little bit. Sort of rule people out and kind of get a list of people that knew Sarah the most. So they go to Liam's house once again. And he basically tells them that he was with Sarah most of the day that Friday, December 2nd. Again, they were just running errands. They ate lunch together at Taco Bell. A normal day for the two of them. But he said she did seem depressed. He even stated that she did have self-destructive, even suicidal behavior at times. Liam said that Sarah talked about her strained relationship with her father that day and discussed wanting to basically move away from this town and move to Canada. Which wasn't surprising to Liam at the time because Sarah had always wanted to move to Toronto. She's always loved the city. Now, this sort of sparks the theory, though, that maybe she did decide to run away. But either way, police are able to confirm Liam's story. A neighbor's security footage is pulled, and it shows Sarah taking a bin over to her neighbor's house, again with her mother's things inside. There is footage of them in the drive-thru at Taco Bell, but there's also footage of the two at Kearney Bank, which Liam did not mention that part in his story. Sarah is seen getting out of the car, going inside the bank, and she apparently accesses her safety deposit box. After finding out about the visit to the bank, and with still no luck of finding Sarah, investigators brought Liam in for more formal questioning. He explained that he did forget to mention the visit to the bank. He said it wasn't relevant. It didn't, you know, didn't mean anything to him. And When asked why Sarah went to the bank, like, did she mention why she was going there? He said that apparently she found a bunch of really old, raggedy-looking money in her house, like, from the 80s, or, like, super old money, and and that she wanted to put it in a lockbox inside the bank. Apparently, she found it hidden in the house that she lived in, And I've seen some reports that said Sarah knew that it was left by her mom for her. Not sure how or why she knew this, but I'm guessing maybe there was a note or something along those lines. Now, Liam said that she's been putting money in this lockbox for a while. So going to the bank on that particular day wasn't out of the blue for her. But over recent weeks, she's been distributing her mom's things, saving money, And he said at first he didn't think anything of it, but now looking back to everything she'd been doing, it certainly seemed odd. And he let the police know that. So maybe it did look like Sarah was making plans to leave. However, was it suicide or was she going to run away? Friends and family said there was just no way she would have left town without dog. She was obsessed with that dog. She would have never left him behind, especially if she was starting a new life, even somewhere else. Then investigators visit Carney Bank and they access the safety deposit box that was Sarah's. And they discover $25,000 still inside the safety deposit box. If she had planned to run away, surely she would have taken that money with her. And not only that, 
During a second search of Sarah's home inside her bedroom, they find her social security card, her passport, as well as some Canadian currency. So obviously, or in everyone's minds, obviously she didn't run away to Canada like Liam had mentioned or suggested. It was very clear at this point that she didn't at least run away to Canada. Could she have run away somewhere else? Sure, but leaving $25,000 and your passport? I don't think so. By 7.30 a.m. on December 3rd, the Neptune Police Department had a helicopter searching over Shark River, which was the river below the bridge where Sarah's car was found, as well as people searching on foot and even the Belmar Water Rescue Team conducting an underwater search for her. Sadly, one of the men driving one of the boats searching for Sarah on the water had been a longtime neighbor of hers. He said that she practically lived next to him her whole life. So it definitely made it much harder of a search than he's ever had to do before. And despite 11 hours of searching, there was no sign of the missing 19-year-old. Now, the issue with Shark River was that it was known to be a very fast-flowing river. So, if she had ended up in the water, then many people believed she would have likely been long gone at that point, even though it had just been a few hours. But that didn't stop her dad, her friends, Liam and Preston, plus hundreds of others from conducting a massive search of their own a couple days later, hoping to find any sign of Sarah. And just like the divers, though, they came up empty-handed. However, someone did notice cameras on the underside of the bridge, right where the car was found, plus a camera on the neighboring railroad bridge. Both cameras would have had a perfect view of what would have happened that night. But, of course, just like any true crime podcast you've ever heard, The cameras hadn't worked in years, and that was devastating to friends and family. A few days after her disappearance, Jenna Marbles and a few other social media stars that knew Sarah posted to their socials asking if anyone had seen her. A flyer was released by the Monmouth County, New Jersey Crime Stoppers offering a $5,000 reward to anyone with information about the disappearance of Sarah Stern. Investigators continued to work hard to try to find out what happened to Sarah. Despite suicide being in the back of their minds, on December 6th, Liam is brought down to Neptune Police Department once again to meet with a detective on the case. I'm going to call him Detective Brian because I don't know how to pronounce his last name, and I know that I will just butcher it time and time again if I try to call him by his last name. So, Detective Brian asks him to go back over his original story in more detail. They've made it clear that they don't think he's a suspect or anything like that, but at the time, he was one of the closest people to Sarah, and he was the last known person to see her. So, They want to make sure they have all their information they can from him. They basically ask him to go back over his day with Sarah, and he describes everything in full detail once again. 
He's asked where he lives, and he says that he lives with his roommate, and he tells them that his roommate is a longtime friend, Preston Taylor, who was also a friend of Sarah's, which we know. The detective asked about Sarah's love life, if she had a boyfriend or a girlfriend, anyone she was interested in at all, and he said no. However, he explained that she had been known to obsess over girls in the past. He talked about an ex-girlfriend of his that she became obsessed with. She would ask her to come over or to come talk to her or else she would kill herself, which once again adds to the suicide theory. And so now, according to Liam and those around her, she was depressed and committing suicide wouldn't be completely out of the realm of possibility for Sarah. But during that interview, Liam asked an interesting question. He asked a hypothetical that if she had jumped off the bridge that night, what are the odds she's not somewhere way out in the ocean by now? The detective in that interview felt that that was an odd question, which at first I didn't really understand why he felt that way. To me, when I first heard it, I felt that Liam was just asking, should we even keep searching the river knowing that she's likely out in the ocean and likely will not be found if she's that far out. Now, that same detective, Detective Brian, would later explain that he felt that shouldn't have been a question for Liam to ask at this point. Yes, it's a valid question. However, his question to detectives should have been, what are you doing to help find my friend? And that I understand. I understand where the detective's coming from. Now, Liam has been very cooperative to police, going over seemingly every detail of his story multiple times at this point. But then his family hires a lawyer, basically in the middle of this latest interview. His sister later explained in an interview that they have an aunt who is a lawyer, and she told them that he should not be alone with detectives. He should definitely have a lawyer present, especially since he was so young. He was just 19 like Sarah. So they kind of come to a standstill with Liam and they stop the interview and they respect the fact that he, his family wants him to have a lawyer. So they move on from Liam at this point and they decide to direct their attention to Preston Taylor, again, roommate to Liam friends with Sarah. So a valid person to speak to. Totally understandable. And they basically ask him to confirm Liam's story of events. And he does. There's no real inconsistencies in his story compared to Liam's. However, when the detective asked Preston what he thought happened to Sarah, he got a little choked up. You know, he paused and he said, I think she jumped. And then he wiped his eyes. When asked why he thought she had jumped, he said it was just based on the stories that he had heard about her relationship with her dad. Now, to the untrained person, that would seem like a true emotional reaction from someone who was sad about their friend. However, my boy, Detective Brian, after his interview with Preston, he apparently walked directly out of the room and said, something's not right here. He said he did not have a good feeling about the information that Liam and Preston had given him. 
More specifically, he said that he wasn't satisfied that something didn't happen. But they have no body. They have no real sign of foul play, no suicide note, or anything at all pointing to what happened to Sarah. That was until almost two months later, when they get a huge break in the case. A guy by the name of Anthony Curry reaches out to the Neptune police, and he said that he thinks he knows what happened to Sarah and who did it. He explained that on Thanksgiving Day 2016, Eight days before Sarah Stern went missing, he was with Liam McAtasney. Now, the two bonded over movies, specifically horror movies. They were both avid film buffs. I believe Anthony actually made his own independent films. Um, Where and how, I'm not sure, but he was known for that. And supposedly, Liam pitched a movie idea to Anthony on that Thanksgiving day. He explained that the plot of the movie would be to kill a girl by strangling her, then throwing her off a bridge with the help of a friend. The police are like, well, that's pretty specific and that's pretty telling coming from Liam. Why didn't you come to us two months ago, Anthony? (laughs) And he explained to them that they pitched movie ideas to each other all the time. It was nothing new. So he didn't think anything of it at first. Not even when he found out about Sarah's disappearance. Because, I mean, we don't know how she died. And maybe she did just jump on her own. You know, not think anything of it. He never really put two and two together until Liam started messaging him on Snapchat pretty recently Asking if police had tried talking to him. Anthony was confused, like, no, why would they? And then he asked to talk to him. And he said that's sort of when it clicked, that maybe Liam had something to do with Sarah's death. So, luckily, he screenshotted the conversation the two had through Snapchat and sent it to police. And they asked Anthony if he would be willing to meet up with Liam and let them record their conversation. And he said he would definitely be willing to help. So they set up a potential sting operation with the hopes of at least getting some answers or possibly even a confession out of him. Now investigators told Anthony to call Liam and ask to borrow some money saying that he broke his camera and needed to borrow some money from him. And the reason they go with telling him to ask to borrow money was that if he had, in fact, murdered Sarah, it could have been to get the money that he knew she had from her mom's passing. And sure enough, Liam takes the bait. Anthony asks to borrow money, and Liam sort of pauses at first and says, um, maybe saying that he didn't want to talk about it over the phone, that maybe they should meet up. It would probably be safer, is what he said. Which was super strange and super telling already. Like, go ahead and lock the dude up. (laughs) If you have anything to hide, why the heck are you talking about it's not safe to talk over the phone? Either way. Let's get into it. So on January 31st, 2017, Anthony and Liam meet up to talk about the money. 
Anthony is sitting in his car and Liam pulls up next to him and he gets inside Anthony's car. What Liam doesn't know is there are several hidden cameras inside and outside of the car recording the entire interaction. And you honestly won't believe what he does first. Liam literally says that I have to check you for a wire. And you know Anthony was like freaking out at that point. Anyways, Liam said, no disrespect, but I've got to fill you up for a wire. He said, I've got the FBI on my ass. And he basically just pats him down. And of course, there's no sign of a wire, obviously, because they've installed cameras in the car. And there's no wire or anything physically on Anthony's body. Thank the Lord. But after that, he basically jumps right into talking about the money and how he was supposedly pissed because he thought he would get 50 to 100 grand out of it. However, he only ended up getting 10 grand from a safe he knew was inside Sarah's house. He goes on to explain that it was in terrible condition. He said it looked like it had been burnt or something that he didn't think he could even put it in the bank. Now, if you remember, the money in the lockbox at the bank was raggedy, old, could have looked burnt. He is describing the same money that we know Sarah had in the bank. He said that he had the money hidden somewhere right now. He had it hidden at his house at first, but then he stopped trusting Preston, supposedly. So now he's implicated Preston in the whole thing. Then he gets into what he refers to as the Sarah situation or Sarah's situation. He explained that he had everything planned out for about six months. And Anthony is like, whoa, wait, you threw her off the bridge? Like you had something to do with this? And Liam looked confused. He said, yeah, you didn't hear about it all over the news? And Anthony was like, well, yeah, of course, but I didn't know it was you. And he just straight face said, yeah, very confidently, almost with like a smirk. And you have to keep in mind, that's what he looked like this whole conversation was like cocky, had a little smirk on his face the entire time. But he does go on to say that plan got screwed up when the body never showed up. And that part to me doesn't really make sense. To me, her body not showing up would work in your favor. But he said that his plan was for them to find her body and for it to look like a suicide. But with no body, it left it open for speculation, which I understand that. But it also doesn't make sense, bro. Like, if you killed her beforehand and threw her off the bridge, which we'll get into all of that. But if you did that and you find a body... It's going to show how she was killed. We're going to know that she didn't just like drown from hitting the water. Clearly, you're an idiot like most criminals are. But here we go. So at this point, Anthony appears to ask how he did what he did. And I say appears because on the audio of like this whole interaction, you can't quite make out what Anthony said at that moment. But Liam basically gives a play-by-play of how he kills his friend. 
He said that the two got home from the bank that afternoon. She put the money away. And then as she starts to walk back out the front door, he put her in a chokehold and killed her right then. He said that he had to leave for work soon, but he lost his phone in the process. Now, he gets into the fact that Sarah's dog was inside the house, out of the crate, but that the dog doesn't do anything while he is choking Sarah. He almost laughs and like, and you know Anthony's playing along, but he and Anthony sort of joke about it. The lack of remorse or emotion from this man is chilling and disgusting. But anyways, he said that he had to leave for work. So he takes her body out to like the front yard or like maybe the backyard. It's not really explained there and leaves her in the freaking bushes. How much sense does that make? Why are you leaving her outside? But anyways, he goes on to say that he goes to work. He gets off around 10 p.m. Then he and Preston Taylor, who apparently had planned this whole thing together, meet back up at Sarah's house. They find the safe filled with all the money and they put it in, I'm assuming, Preston's car. They get her body out of the bushes and put her in the passenger seat. They literally buckle her in to make it look like she's just asleep in the passenger seat of her own car. He said that he knew there was security cameras across the street that would see her at least in the car, that could possibly see her in the car. And not only that, he said that he made it a point to watch Sarah drive that Friday, like kind of see how she drove, how she backed in and out of her driveway, etc. That way, when he had to drive her car to the bridge that night, it would look like how she would drive. Preston follows Liam in Sarah's car to the bridge. Liam has trouble throwing Sarah's body over the bridge, so Preston has to run over to help him. Then the two throw her over, jump back in Preston's car, and leave. And honestly, (laughs) I am super surprised how calm Anthony stays during this because you know he's freaking out. He's like, yes, like I got him. I got it. You know, he's really doing his job here. And he would later say that it it was like an out-of-body experience, that it was like they were talking about a movie script. He honestly couldn't wrap his head around the fact that it was real, and I don't think I could either. But he knew that he had to keep the conversation going as long as possible So again, he asks more details about the murder itself, which I'm not really going to get into. It's graphic and disturbing and unnecessary. I kind of gave you already the the, um, timeline of it all, so I won't get into that. But Liam sort of explains how it took him 30 minutes when he thought it would be super quick. And he said, quote, that's the thing about heists. There are things that you can't account for. A heist? Really? Like this was some big bank robbery? He was ugh, so cocky and disgusting. I can't even I can't even talk about this guy much longer. But towards the end of the conversation, he explained that Anthony was now the only person who knew what happened to Sarah besides Preston. And he said that if Preston found out, 
he would want to kill Anthony. He said that he insinuated that he was going to tell Anthony what happened, and Preston got super upset. So they sort of like joked about, let's just don't tell him, you know, probably shouldn't tell him. And then one of the very last things Liam said was that it's weird because I don't feel any different. He said, you do things in life that you think will change you, and it just doesn't. It's weird. Yeah, that's pretty weird. That murdering someone doesn't make you feel any different. Yeah, that's a problem. You probably should check into that. Finally, on February 2nd, 2017, after this whole confession tape, Liam McAtasney was arrested for the murder of Sarah Sturm. He was actually charged with a long list of things. So, obviously, he was charged with first-degree murder. Then it was first-degree felony murder, first-degree robbery, second-degree desecration of human remains, and second-degree hindering apprehension. Pretty much anything they could charge this kid with, they did. And as they should, because they still don't have a body. Now, Preston Taylor was also arrested and charged with multiple crimes. Again, second-degree desecration of human remains, second-degree conspiracy to desecrate human remains, and second-degree hindering apprehension for helping Liam dispose of Sarah's body in order to avoid being caught. Now, investigators had to break the horrible news to Sarah's father, Michael, and he was obviously in shock. These were two of Sarah's friends. Liam was one of his daughter's best friends, somebody she grew up with, somebody that he trusted around his daughter. He said it was just so hard to wrap his head around. That was until he saw the confession. The Superior Court judge said that Preston Taylor folded faster than anyone he had ever seen. He claimed that the plan started out only as a robbery, but then Liam came up with a plan to murder Sarah. And Preston said he felt pressured to do it because he and Liam lived together and they had been long-time friends. Preston took a plea deal, pleading guilty to the charges against him, and he was sentenced to 18 years in prison, with the possibility of parole after 15 years, which would actually be 2032. He has tried a couple of times to have his sentence reduced, but has been denied each time. Preston agreed to take investigators back to Sarah's home and walk them through every move that he and Liam made. He also took them to two spots in town where they had buried some of Sarah's money and other items belonging to her. One being the money that they had stolen and the other was a buried box containing some of Sarah's clothes. Now, as part of his plea deal, he had to testify against Liam McAtasney in his trial, which began in April 2019. And surprisingly, Liam himself pleads not guilty. He takes his chances with a jury. During the trial, Preston told police that Liam found out that Sarah had around $100,000 in a hidden box at her house. So Preston said that Liam and him conspired, both, to rob Sarah to get the money. But then Liam took it too far, 
and he said that he wanted to kill Sarah. However, after the murder took place, they realized they only got $10,000. Preston agreed to take a $3,000 cut for the small role he played in Sarah's death. So $3,000 for a chance of going to prison. Sounds like you got the sucky end of the deal there. But the defense team basically tried to paint Preston as a liar, that nothing about his story was true. They said there was no body, no physical evidence proving that Liam committed this crime. And you're probably asking yourself right now, what about the confession in Anthony's car? What are they going to do about that? Well, they literally tell the jurors, and I kid you not, that it wasn't a confession at all. It was a film audition, a movie audition, that it was also a publicity stunt of sorts to boost his own career. I'm not kidding. That is exactly what they said. Now, despite that bizarre explanation, they did have a quote-unquote eyewitness take the stand. And this eyewitness claimed to have seen Sarah Stern alive and well walking down the bridge at 5.15 a.m., walking away from her car. He swore up and down that it was Sarah. He said she stuck out in his head because she was wearing a leather bomber jacket and high heels. And then when he saw the missing persons flyer a few days later online, he knew that it was Sarah. Okay. If you see pictures of Sarah online, which... I will post a few. You'll know that a black bomber jacket and high heels didn't quite match anything she has been known to wear. Plus, police testified that the car had actually been towed at 3 a.m. So there's no way that he saw Sarah walking away from that car, the Oldsmobile, at 5 a.m. Not possible. Liam had his mom testify on his behalf as well, saying that he adored Sarah. He would have not done anything to hurt her. And not only that, if he had killed her, she said, where is her body? She said that her body would have definitely washed up somewhere by now, saying that she grew up on a beach. And if anyone ended up in the water, they would have washed up eventually. But Neither of of these witnesses were really reliable or credible, in my opinion, and it didn't help his case. After five weeks of the trial, on June 21st, 2019, jurors found Liam McAtasney guilty on all counts. He is serving a life sentence without the possibility of parole at the New Jersey State Prison. And I am sad to report that Sarah's body has still never been found. But how horrible. Someone you consider a friend kills you over money. That just goes to show that you can't trust anyone, especially when it comes to money. Anyone can flip a switch when it comes to money. So watch your backs. (laughs) Stay safe. As always, I want to know your thoughts on today's episode. Be sure to head over to the podcast Instagram page and leave a comment on today's episode post. 
And while you're at it, go ahead and hit subscribe or follow the podcast wherever you're listening. That way you know exactly when the episode drops. And I would love it if you would give a five-star review wherever you can as well. It really helps people find the show. But that'll do it for me this week, guys. I'll be back here in two weeks with a brand new episode. Until then, stay safe. Bye, guys.